and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about Happy Thanksgiving. This is our annual Thanksgiving program uh, where we are reminded and we remind others to give thanks and praise to God uh, for all of his many blessings on us and our nation, a tradition that goes back to early America. Yes, it does. Uh, even though uh, the, the event, the remembrance of the first Thanksgiving with the early pilgrims and the, the Indians has been, in my opinion, greatly misrepresented. Actually, at that point in American history, uh, Americans, or we'll say the English colonists and the American Indians actually got along very well at that point. This is something that is, is typically covered up and altered and changed and this kind of thing. Uh, because it doesn't fit the narrative that those on the left want people to have in view. The, the Thanksgiving that we grew up with as, as children was always uh, that time of celebration where we remember how the pilgrims met with the Indians and they, uh, they got along and, and were kind and charitable one toward another. And of course, because the pilgrims and Puritans were God-fearing Christians, they gave thanks to God for his many blessings. The Bible tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Okay, in everything give thanks. Praise the Lord. So even though we're going through as a country a time of trial right now, I think many people would agree that we've got, you know, America has so many different challenges and there's so many different troubling things that are going on in our country. But this is what the Lord has told us. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, uh, the Lord says. The apostles taught it is through much tribulation that we must enter into the kingdom of God. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him from every one. So we, we give thanks and praise to God for the Lord's many promises to us. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Psalm 107 and verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we have to remember that we are saved by the mercy of God through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. And that mercy, it's a picture of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant where they would uh, offer the sacrifice and they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And that was between the two cherubim. And that's where the, the flame, the Spirit of God, would be between the cherubim. And so you have the scripture that tells us the Lord that dwells between the cherubim. And that's the mercy seat. And it's by the Lord's mercy that we are saved. Our sins are forgiven. We put faith in the Son of God. And by God's mercy, we are delivered from sin unto salvation and life eternal. And God's mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 5.20, Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's amazing the admonitions that were given throughout the scripture to give thanks to God. And, you know, there is a verse, in fact, in the Old Testament when Samuel 
is talking to the children of Israel, and he says, consider how great things God has done for you. Yeah, 1 Samuel 12, 24. 1 Samuel 12, 24. And this is where the children of Israel were discontented. This is why I think it's so important and, and very powerful. They were discontented and they were asking Samuel to make for them a king. And Samuel says, no, you're not the Lord's your God. He was your king. And he says, you have this day rejected the Lord's your God asking for a king. But they had become discontented because of their circumstances. And uh, so God told Samuel to go ahead and give in to their request and appoint a king. And that ultimately brings about King Saul. But Samuel says to them in verse 23, 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23, he says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. You see, this is what Samuel is telling the children of Israel when they are discontented and they are, you know, they feel like, hey, we need a change here. We, we need a different kind of government. We want to be like the nations of the earth. This is what they tell him. And he's, he's telling them to fear the Lord and to consider how great things he has done. Consider the things the Lord has done. In fact, throughout the scripture, this is what God says to Israel over and over again, where he says, I am the Lord thy God. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I preserved you in the wilderness. I brought you into this land flowing with milk and honey. God reviews all of the things that he has done for his people. And so it is certainly right for us as the people of God today, as Christians, to remember the great things that God has done for us. And especially it's, it's a way that we are able to, I think, quiet those voices of discontentment, whether those voices are being heard in the world and the media, whether they're being heard from people around us, or whether it's our own hearts and minds that are in the midst of some kind of an inner struggle that we have to stop and consider how great things God has done. Praise the Lord. If our country would remember that, a lot of this discontentment that goes on would pass away. But unfortunately, the, the radical left, the socialists, who are driving this discontentment thrive on telling people that everything is bad. And the thing to remember about the socialists and the communists in any country is in order for them to sell you their bogus bill of goods, which is socialism or communism, in order for them to sell you this terrible form of government, they have to convince you that you need to get rid of the government you have, whatever it is. And it's important to know that the socialists in every country that they go into, they do the same thing. They start by rewriting the history of the people that they're dealing with, and they convince the people that their ancestors were horrible people, and that really you don't need to continue in this system of government that's based on all of this inequality and unfairness and racism and whatever. You need to get rid of this whole thing. Just tear it down, get rid of it, and let's come up with a whole new system of so-called equality, wherein the Marxist masters will be the heads of this system of equalization, supposedly. Once they clear out everything, they're going to be at the head. They'll take all the money, all the property, everything. And supposedly, they're going to dispense it in a more equal manner they say. And of course, that never happens. It just doesn't happen. All right. Well, here is an article from a publication called MR Online. MR Online. And this was last year. 
at Thanksgiving. They said uh, they had an article with the headline, quote, Thanksgiving glorifies the abhorrent colonization of indigenous peoples. The abhorrent colonization. And then it says, from Columbus Day to Independence Day to Thanksgiving, the U.S. pretty much specializes in taking dates that celebrate genocide and discrimination and repackaging them as family-friendly holidays. And then they go on from there. And what's, what's so incredible about this? Now, MR Online, just so we know who we're dealing with here, MR Online is an independent socialist magazine. That's what they say. MR stands for Monthly Review. And they say this. Uh, this is their own history, according to them. Quote, Monthly Review began publication in New York City, May 1949. The first issue featured the lead article, Why Socialism? by Albert Einstein. From the beginning, Monthly Review spoke for a critical but spirited socialism independent of any political organization. In an era of Cold War repression, the magazine published pioneering analysis of political economy, imperialism, and third world struggles, drawing on the rich legacy of Marxist thought without being bound to any narrow view or party line. Now, oh, okay, well... Supposedly, they don't have a party line, even though they're pushing socialism. And I mean, if they're going to complain about injustices and genocide done, why don't they go over the history of socialism just in the last hundred years? They could just talk about all that the socialists have done to uh, mass murder people in killing fields and gulags and concentration camps. They could go over that. I mean, they've, they've killed over 100 million but uh, conveniently, they'd rather focus on colonialism from a few hundred years ago. Interesting. Very, very interesting. But that is their approach. That is their approach. What's incredible is how successful they have been deceiving whole populations around the world. And what we'll show in our new film, this upcoming uh, documentary we've been working on, American Jesuits, uh, we'll show the Jesuit role in all of this, going back to the very early beginnings of socialism with Marx, uh, and even before that, when they developed social justice and so on, and the whole concept of justifiable theft, and show how principles taken literally from the Great Inquisition were interwoven into social justice, socialism, and communism. Uh, but all of that is forthcoming. And, but in the meantime, while we're, we're seeing these, these dangers to our country, we are thankful to God that we still have the freedom of our constitutional republic for the most part. I mean, there's no doubt that our freedoms are in danger. They're being threatened continually by this, uh, uh, this current crew of politicians and uh, all the activism that's going on by groups that would like to enslave America fully and completely to use it for their globalist projects. But it's not so easy because the principles that were set down in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are principles that have been handed down by our Christian ancestors going all the way back to Magna Carta and all the way back, I would argue, even to King Alfred the Great. Uh, and, of course, we talk about that in our film, The True Christian History of America. But nevertheless, so my, my point is, these are not principles that were just thrown together. They're principles that have been thought out They've been argued, debated, tested, and proven for centuries long before you get to the American Revolution. And that's why they're so effective, because they're, they're based on time and experience and, and wisdom of God-fearing men, for the most part, who were articulating their discernment from the pages of Holy Scripture. And I'm not talking about the American Revolutionaries, just so you understand. Because they're not the ones who came up with freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, 
the right to bear arms and private property protections, all of those things were established before, long before the American Revolution. That's what we have to understand. But of course, those of you who have seen our film, The True Christian History of America, you know what I'm talking about uh, because we go into that in great detail. But uh, all right, let's do this. We're going to go to our commercial break. And then when we come back, we are going to talk about some very important issues, things that we as Christians and as Americans should keep an eye on going forward. We're going to talk about this uh, recent election and all of the Muslims who were elected. Uh, CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, they are celebrating a record-breaking 82 Muslims elected to various offices across the country. That's an issue right there. And then with that, a story from the Rare Foundation about what they're calling a ticking time bomb in Germany, where these migrants are concerned. There are those who are arguing that these migrants are now foreign soldiers hiding inside Germany, awaiting orders to attack. Can that be the case? And and could that be going on in more places than just Germany? We'll talk about it when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, the True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Thanks for staying with the show today. And happy Thanksgiving out there to all of our Noise of Thunder Radio listeners. Uh, we hope that you are having a blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving this year. And we pray that God will bless America, that the Lord will bless our country and grant us wisdom to know what we ought to do at such a time as this. Well, Things are happening throughout the Western world, things that go on over in Europe often foreshadow what's going to be happening here in America. We're watching that happen. I remember, and I've, I'm, I know we talked about this on a program when Katie Hopkins was uh, giving a speech in America about a year or two ago when she said that schools in England were transitioning children in the schools 
through transgender programs, transitioning boys to girls and girls to boys without parental consent in the schools over in England. And she said, this is coming to America. And at the time, it was not going on in our country. But here it is a few years later, and we are seeing, yes, indeed, it is happening now. Now, it may not be happening as widespread, although it's happening in a lot of places. It's very disturbing what's going on with this whole transgender thing. And the people in the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party politicians have completely lost their mind on these issues. The, some of the things that they're saying now that if, if you oppose their programs, that you're the one who's causing all the harm. This is right out of Alfred Kinsey's playbook. If you watch our film, The Kinsey Syndrome, we talk about this, that they turn it all around. They say, oh, no, it's the people who are objecting. They're the ones who are doing all the harm, supposedly. But that's all part of their psychological warfare. But we've got to recognize the wiles of the enemy and oppose them as much as we can. So what else is going on in Europe? Well, we all know what's been happening with the massive flow of migrants into Western Europe. Well, we've been having a massive flow of these illegal aliens coming into the United States. It has been repeatedly reported that in addition to these illegals, there are, I don't know how many reports of terrorists, we are told, coming in through the Mexican border. I have heard this over and over and over again. In fact, let me just play a brief uh, clip. This is from a few years ago. This was a CNN report on this where they were talking about it. Now, you've had people who have been trying to refute it and other people who are saying, no, this is happening. Uh, so this is just one report here from CNN. Listen. Representative Duncan Hunter, your Republican colleague in the House of Representatives, uh, he said earlier this week that there have been at least 10 ISIS fighters, terrorists, uh, that uh, crossed into the United States from Mexico. Earlier today, he clarified his remarks to CNN's Stephanie Elam. I want you to listen to this. The question is, is the administration parsing language when they say that no actual ISIS fighters, meaning guys in black pajamas with black flags and AK-47s, have, have gotten across the board? What I would say is what, what you have are people from terrorist countries state sponsors of uh, terrorism that have in fact gotten across the border and have been caught in, in uh, Mexico by the Mexicans that have gotten caught at our border by uh, Texas trying to cross. And, and I would categorize those, those four men that were caught from Turkey. They were self-proclaimed PKK members. That's a terrorist organization. Okay, so that is a report from some time ago by CNN. Now let's listen to this. This is actually very recent. This is from back in September of this year, September 21st. And this is from a from News Nation. That's what it's called, News Nation. They have a YouTube channel and they talk about the issue of the terrorist watch list. They say, here's the headline, terrorist watch list arrests spike as two million migrants cross border. That's what they say. Listen to some of this audio. And speaking of migration, a rare look from the sky as border agents work to catch migrants. More than 2 million people have crossed into the U.S. this fiscal year alone. And one major concern is apprehending people on the terrorist watch list. Allie Bradley joins us live from Arizona. So, Allie, you, you got that look. What did you see? Yeah, Nicole. So we want to start here by explaining what's going on with the terrorist watch list, because 78 individuals on that terrorist watch list were actually apprehended along our southern border since October 1st, 12 of those in August alone. All right. So this is a report now that is this year, you guys. That's this year. This is from back in September. Now, when she says that they've had so many uh, arrests since October, that would have been October from the previous year. But this report was published in September, September 21st. Think about that. Two million migrants cross the border. And a number of them that they've arrested are on the terror watch list, uh, she says. But who knows how many, how many of these migrants have not been caught with two million of them that have crossed over? Who knows how many that, that they didn't get their hands on? 
we we can only wonder. And with the Biden administration in charge, there seems to be little or no regulation going on on the southern border. The Biden administration seems to be encouraging illegals to just jump the border and come into the United States. Now, why is all of that important? Well, it's important because of what is happening in Europe and the fact that what's happening in Europe is also happening in America. There is this uh, cross-cultural pattern that goes on. And you have this report from the Rare Foundation, a recent report, and their headline is, quote, ticking time bomb, 500,000 armed foreign soldiers are hiding inside Germany awaiting their attack orders. Now, these 500,000, half a million foreign soldiers, you can almost guarantee that these foreign soldiers are Muslims from these third world countries because those are the ones who have been coming in. Now, there is a video report on this from Germany, and we are going to, I'm going to play just a little bit of it. You're going to hear it in the background, but because they're talking in German, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the subtitles so you can hear what they're saying. But they're describing basically these migrants that are coming in and the police are being instructed not to stop them, much like what goes on with a lot of our border agents. They're being told, don't stop them. And according to the reports, it's being said that they're coming in sometimes in vehicles and those vehicles are loaded with weapons. Now, this is in Germany that this is happening in Germany. And so here is the video report. Well, I'm going to play it and you'll hear it a little bit in the background. And then I'm going to read the uh, subtitles. Okay, so. All right. So it says what I can report now is information from two federal police officers working down here at the border. He says they're exhausted and ready to go. All of them. They no longer speak of refugees, but of soldiers. They estimate that there are about 500,000 soldiers in Germany that are waiting for day X. Next thing is everyone who comes up to you and says the word asylum just comes in unhindered. When they try to stop someone, he says, then they get a disciplinary procedure and such and are immediately reprimanded. He goes on, he says, the same applies to cars and vehicles coming over the Balkan route. That's the Balkans leading into uh, the rest of Western Europe. Okay, he says they are sometimes checked and then they see there are weapons in the trunk. Sometimes the trunk is full of weapons, he says, and they may not be confiscated. So apparently, I'm stopping it here, apparently... They are forbidding the police down on the border there in Germany. They're forbidding them from stopping these invaders, and they will not allow them to confiscate their weapons when they come in. They're, they're encouraging this. In other words, the powers that be, the people that really globalists, we believe, who are manipulating this. They're, they're manipulating it in Germany. They're manipulating it in England, in Sweden, uh, in France, in all of these countries in Western Europe. Uh, and we believe they're manipulating it right here in the United States as well. All right, let me play a little bit more of this. Okay, so I was talking about the police officers. He says 500,000 soldiers are said to be here in Germany already. This is what he says. 500,000 soldiers are said to be in Germany already. And he says, and we have 260,000 Bundeswehr soldiers. And of course, Bundeswehr is the armed forces of Germany. That's what that is. They, they're military. So they've, they've only got 260,000 military personnel and they're being given these reports that there's about 500,000 foreign invaders that are in Germany with weapons waiting for what they call day X, which will be, we, we can only assume, 
uh, based on what they're telling us, uh, the day where they're told, okay, now's the day, you know, now it's D-Day, whatever their D-Day would be, the day that they're going to rise up and strike there in Germany. Now, this is where we remember what happened with Hitler when, when Hitler was overthrown. Uh, Hitler said he believed the German people had failed him. Uh, we also remember that Hitler despised Christianity, and he wished that Islam would have invaded Western Europe. Hitler even said, we share this quote with you in, uh, in our audio CD on uh, Hitler's Jihad, and how Islam is invading Western civilization, that I believe firmly that all of this is part of a greater agenda that goes back to World War II and even prior to World War II, an agenda that was developed somewhere between World War I and World War II, based on the available evidence. Now, the books I would recommend you getting, if you really want to go dive into this, one, you can get the audio CD that we have on our website on Hitler's Jihad, and I go into a lot of the details, but there is the book, Islam and Nazi Germany's War by David Modadel. Islam and Nazi Germany's War by David Modadel. That, if I had to just recommend one book for somebody to get to, and start there in your research, that would be the book. Now, remember, this is not a book. This is not considered a, a conspiracy theory book. This is a book that is actually recommended by some of the leading universities in the United States. Okay, it, so it's, it's Motadel is not considered a conspiracy writer. He's more mainstream researcher type, but the documentation that he presents is overwhelming. I wouldn't call him completely mainstream, honestly, but the documentation, the photographs, the, the, the evidence of the relationship between Nazi Germany and Islam, the fact that they had tens of thousands of Muslims in the German army, they had their own unit called the Hanshar unit, etc. The relationship is undeniable. And then when you go and you study these quotes from Hitler about how he wanted Islam to invade the West so that Christianity could be ousted and Islam would displace Christianity. And what people are doing, I watch this on the news now, they're, they're saying, oh, this, this, uh, this false racial theory about the great replacement, that they're going to replace white people with non-whites and this kind of thing. I believe a lot of that is a distraction. In Western Europe, I believe the plan is not so much about replacing white people with somebody else. It's about replacing Christianity with some form of Islamic fascism, socialism. It's going to be some kind of a, a combined system of, you know, totalitarian socialism and Islamic Sharia. That's where I think they're headed. Now, exactly what it's going to look like, I honestly don't know, but I do believe it will be a totalitarian system. There's no question about that. Okay, so this is what is being reported about what's happening in Germany. And we'll just have to wait to see what happens and how that story unfolds. But we should remember something that there were, there were years of warnings that went on here in the United States of America before 9-11. Before 9-11 ever happened, you had Steve Emerson with his book and his documentary, Jihad in America, and if, you, if you've never seen that, you should go and watch it and remember that it was done. The documentary was made prior to the attack on 9-11. And what Emerson is showing, he's showing these jihadis in the heartland of America, in all these little towns and so on. And they have camps and they have uh, summer camps for the kids and they have these little offices where you have Muslims who are there and they're welcoming other Muslims into the country and they've got this whole network in the United States. Well, this whole thing is advancing now so that in these recent midterm elections that we just had, 
uh, CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, is celebrating the fact that they they now have a record-breaking 82 Muslim electoral victories in local, state, and federal elections. You can find that on their website at carecair.com. Okay? And then they go over all the different places in the country where they won victories, the places where they won a lot of victories. They had a lot of victories in California. They had a few in Connecticut. They had a few in Georgia. They had some in Maine. They had five victories in Maine, the state of Maine. A couple in Maryland, not many. Uh, A lot of victories in Michigan, the state of Michigan, where they have Dearborn, Michigan. That seems to be, I mean, that is a concentrated Islamic territory right now. And they won all kinds of victories in in, uh, Michigan. They also won a lot of victories in Minnesota. Minnesota. And just so you know, if you go and you look at their list of victories, most of them are running as Democrats, members of the Democratic Party, or they're nonpartisan. And there's one of them who claims to be independent, but virtually none of them are running as Republicans. Okay. There were also a significant number in New Jersey, several in New York, and three in Texas. Now I'm, and, and there were other states as well. I'm, I was thankful. And there's also three in Virginia. Well, there's four in Texas, sorry, four in Texas, three in Virginia. But I was thankful that none of these victories happened in the state of Tennessee, where we are. Uh, Thank the Lord. I do not believe Muslims should be allowed to be involved in American politics. I believe that the laws of not, not not only do I believe it, I know that the laws of our country from 1607 in Jamestown all the way to 1961 required that you had to be a Christian and that you believe the Bible in order to hold a political office in our country. Generally speaking, every state worded the requirement somewhat differently. Often you specifically had to be a Protestant. Why? Because Catholics were not even allowed to read the Bible. Catholics were forbidden from reading the Bible all the way until the year 1962. Bear that in mind. So so often the uh, declarations from the states would require Protestants, if they didn't necessarily say Protestant, uh, they still required that you had faith in God and the Bible to hold a political office in our country. Well, 1961, with the uh, case Torcaso versus Watkins, that is where the U.S. Supreme Court reinterpreted Article 6, and that is what allowed non-Christians to hold political office in the United States. That's why now atheists and Muslims and all, you know, somebody could be a a witch doctor, they could be whatever, and they can still run for office in our country. That was not always the case. And I would encourage anybody to do research into this because as Americans, if, if, if there's going to be any hope for the future of our country, for us reclaiming our God-fearing republic under God and driving out the Marxist and Islamic political Marxism and political Islam, driving that out of our system. We will have to reclaim these fundamental principles. But as long as a, a dishonest version of our history and our constitution is communicated through the schools and the media, I, I don't see how it can happen. Because most people, if if you communicate to most people what I just said, they'll go, oh, that's unconstitutional. That's the first thing they say. They don't realize that the Constitution did not open the door to pagans and Muslims and atheists and these kind of people to seek and obtain political power in the United States. But some people think that uh, that's exactly how the Constitution was written, that it was written so that all of these pagans and non-Christians could come in and uh, have power and control and etc. over the country. But that's not 
at all the case. In fact, let me just read very quickly. This is from the commentaries on the First Amendment by Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story. Joseph Story is one of the most prominent uh, justices. He was appointed by James Madison when Madison was president. Remember, Madison actually wrote the First Amendment. So here's what Story says in his commentaries on it. He says, quote, The real object of the amendment was not to countenance, much less to advance Mohammedism or Judaism or infidelity by prostrating Christianity but to exclude all rivalry among Christian sects, meaning denominations, sect, S-E-C-T, and to prevent any national ecclesiastical establishment which should give to a hierarchy the exclusive patronage of the national government. It thus cut off the means of religious persecution, the vice and pest of former ages, and of the subversion of the rights of conscience in matters of religion which had been trampled upon almost from the days of the apostles to the present age. So that was the purpose of the First Amendment. It was simply to prevent any particular Christian denomination from gaining control of the national government, because that's, that's what our ancestors dealt with, mainly. If, if you didn't have Rome, Roman Catholicism running your government, then uh, once Protestantism come in, it, it might be the Calvinists, it might be the Arminians, it might be the Puritans, the Presbyterians, uh, and all of these different groups. And depending on who was in charge, they would have their own laws about baptism and communion and soteriology, how to understand salvation. They would argue about the Book of Common Prayer and things like this. They would argue about theological issues that many people came to the conclusion of should really be a matter of personal conscience as to how a Christian is going to understand these things. That was the conclusion they came to. So that was the purpose of the First Amendment. That was the what Story calls the real object of the amendment. It wasn't there to advance Mohammedism or, or Judaism, meaning unbelieving Judaism, that rejects the New Testament, or infidelity, atheism, by somehow or other bringing down Christianity. That's what he means when he says prostrating Christianity. There wasn't, the First Amendment was not written to diminish the importance and the authority of Christianity in American law. So anyway, that's just, uh, just want to get that in there real quick. Uh, now, as far as all these Muslims winning political power, this is something that I talked about years ago when I did a presentation on uh, Islam in America and uh, did it for Worldview Weekend, and I showed this video clip, and I'm going to play the audio of this woman, an Islamic woman named Sharifa Al-Khatib, talks about using public schools to convert America to Islam. Now this was a this was this this was first aired back in 1989. This is before 9/11. And I can tell you I remember back in the 1980s nobody thought twice about Islam. Nobody was concerned about Islam or anything. So this played on C-SPAN. Today I don't think C-SPAN would allow a video like this to go on because there would be an uproar. If it happened today, post 9-11 world. But back then, nobody was concerned about Islam. And so we hear this uh, woman, uh, and she is referred to. Now, you can actually go to the C-SPAN website and watch this if you want to. I think you can probably find it on YouTube as well. But it says, I quote, the late managing editor of the International Institute for Islamic Thoughts, American Journal of Islamic Social Sciences, Sharifa Al-Khatib, talks about using U.S. schools to proselytize Islam and about making the state Islamic. Okay, but but I'm going to let you hear exactly what she 
said. If you've never heard this, you should definitely hear it and and be aware of what is going on in our country. All right? Listen. Um, I'm very happy that I was asked to speak today about education because I believe that education is one of the most important areas that Muslims have to address. And while our objective, our final objective, is not just to become part of the system that we experience now and that we see, our objective, our final objective is to create our own Islamic systems and not only create Islamic systems for Muslims, but to look at all the other people who are sharing this country with us as potential Muslims. And if we look at them as potential Muslims and feel that we have the obligation, which Allah has told us, to try to bring them into the same style of thinking, into the same uh, way of behaving, into the same objectives that we have, then we have to have some way that we can communicate with them and some way we can work with them. And in that long-range process, of making America Muslim, all of America Muslim, then we have to have some actual short-range goals. We have to have some way of dealing with them and know how we're going to deal with them and in which ways and be very calculated about it or else we will not accomplish our goals. Is education political? Yes, it is. Education is extremely political because it shapes our minds. It It shapes our idea of who we are and what we are it shapes our ideas of what we can be. Okay, so I want to draw your attention to uh, two things that she said in her little speech there. And the speech goes on, it's longer than that. But two things that she mentions. One, her desire to make all of America Muslim. Hopefully you caught that. All of America Muslim. It's very important to remember that the word Islam means submission, to bring people in submission to the religion of Islam. That's what the word Islam means. Whether they do it by talking to you, by witnessing to you their beliefs, or they do it by force. They force you to submit. But the word Islam means submission. Okay? And one She's, she's talking about making all of America Muslim, and they're going to have to be very calculated with how they approach this, and that she mentions this is a long-term goal. They know. Remember, Islam has been around for 1,400 years. They've seen the world change a lot, and they have their own histories and their own knowledge of how it is that their ancestors moved into certain countries you know, as uh, immigrants, and they immigrated like into the Sudan or into Egypt and then built up their population and eventually rose up and overthrew the country or seized control of the politics. They did the same thing in Lebanon in the 20th century. They did the same thing in Bangladesh in the 20th century. So, This is not just ancient history. This is modern history as well, where Islam is concerned. They have practiced methods. And notice she's talking about being calculated. So one, turning all America Muslim. And two, her acknowledgement that education is political. It is political. And this is why I say what we as Americans must find a way to oppose if there's any hope, Lord willing, for rescuing our country from the clutches of, an, uh, of entering into a dark age. If there's any hope for doing it, it'll be by the grace of God with the help of God. But we're going to have to take back our education system and we're going to have to oppose political Islam and political Marxism. That's political socialism or political communism. But I would say political Marxism in general. And that if people want to believe these ideas, okay, they can believe them. But they cannot pursue political ambitions on behalf of Islam or 
on behalf of Marxist ideology. That is where we as a country will have to draw the line. And of course, we're going to have to take control of this immigration problem because they are specifically importing people into the country that they know full well are not compatible with our country. They're doing the same in Western Europe. All these Muslims they're bringing in, they know these people are not compatible with Western civilization. They're there for conquest. They're there to take over. They openly admit it. So our leaders, if we were to confront them according to God's law and according to the laws that governed our nation from the beginning, our leaders could be charged with treason for willfully and deliberately bringing people into the country that they knew full well wanted to take control of our political system. If we had some kind of organized body, something, you know, the equivalent of the Nuremberg trials, the you know American Nuremberg 2.0, if such a thing were possible, then yes, I believe uh, many of the leaders of our country for illegal immigration and for the deliberate mass immigration of Muslims into the country, knowing full well that they have publicly announced their ambition to get control of our political system. That is simply not possible unless treason takes place. And of course, there's many people who believe that that's exactly what's happening. Uh, but the, the question is the puzzle and this is what we need to pray about as a country. The puzzle is, the challenge is what to do about it. Yeah, there's lots of grand ideas, but exactly what to do about it. That is the challenge for God-fearing uh, patriots. Now, you have more and more people who are talking about, in fact, there's a book, a new book that's come out. I have not read it, but I saw the title. It's called The Case for Christian Nationalism. I honestly believe this is a very good idea. I really do, because if, you know, there, there's the old saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And America was not founded based on nothingness. Now, obviously, I don't believe that we're going to be able to establish heaven on earth, as it were, and I don't believe that's to be our ambition, not at all. But just as we want to protect our families and keep them safe, part of protecting our families and protecting our communities is to protect our country and our political system from predatory groups that are coming in with the ambition to seize control of our system. You know, just like if somebody came to your house and they wanted to come in and take control of your house and you say, no, sorry, friend, I'm not gonna let that happen. You, you wouldn't allow somebody to just walk into your house and endanger your wife and your kids in the same way. Uh, we, I believe, as Christians, have a responsibility to do what we can, according to God's law and the laws of our Constitution, to do what we can to oppose any attempted infiltration into our country by these subversive groups who have predatory ambitions. There's no question. If, if Islam gains the upper hand in a country, Christians will be persecuted. If communism gains the upper hand in a country, Christians will be persecuted. And yes, I believe it is entirely appropriate for us as believers in Christ to do what we can to put a stop to persecution if it's possible. That's why I, I, I will often make reference to the book of Esther and how Esther, who was Jewish, but she kept it a secret, and she marries the king, and then she finds out that Haman has this plot to destroy all the Jews in the kingdom. And her uncle Mordecai, he finds out, he tears his garment, and he sends a message to Esther. And Esther doesn't just say, oh, well, we'll, we'll trust God and hope for the best. No, she takes action. She does what she can do to help her people. And I believe that's an example we should all follow. You also have the account in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul was in a, a, he was in the custody of the Romans and his nephew comes to him and tells him that there's a, a group of these uh, uh, zealot Jews who have this plan to kill Paul. They're going to assassinate him 
as soon as they get the opportunity. And so Paul's nephew doesn't just ignore this danger. And Paul, when he's told about it, he doesn't ignore the danger either. He has his nephew taken to the captain of the guard, and the warning is given so they can take action, so they can do something to counter it. So on this program and through our ministry, we do not communicate these things for scaremongering purposes or anything like that. We try to maintain a biblical worldview uh, by giving adherence to the Word of God. We believe what Jesus says, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every Word of God. We believe in every Word of God. And we believe that the examples that were given to us in Scripture, that are given to us in Scripture, that whatsoever things were written in old time were written for our learning. We're supposed to learn from these things, to meditate on them. When we find similar situations coming about in our own time and to seek wisdom from the Holy Scripture and seek the wisdom of God uh, through prayer and through study. So that is why we draw attention to these things. I, I be, And here's the thing. The beauty of this is the, the beauty of, of searching the Scriptures and looking at the situations that have happened in the past is that, yes, for those who call upon the Lord, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and you will glorify me. Now, Jesus doesn't say we're not going to have trouble. On, on the contrary, he says, in the world you shall have tribulation. So we're warned repeatedly that, yes, there will be troubles. We know that the powers of hell and the devil hate the gospel, and they hate Christianity, and they want to destroy it. It's important for us to remember the origin of the term the left. For those who don't know, the left, the whole idea of the left goes all the way back to the French Revolution. And during the French Revolution, the, the Jacobins, who were radical, pagan, anti-God, anti-Christs, they, they reasoned in themselves that, well, since Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, Satan must be on the left hand of God. You also have Matthew chapter 25, where uh, Jesus arrives for Judgment Day, and, and you have and then he divides the nations with the sheep and the goats, and the sheep are on his right hand, and the goats are on his left hand, and the sheep enter into salvation and eternal life and the kingdom of God. And those on the left, those on his left hand, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So during the French Revolution, these radicals who were anti-God and anti-Christ, they identified themselves as being those on the left, the left hand of Christ, a judgment. In other words, they're, uh, they're those who are cursed. They're identifying themselves as the enemies of God. I mean, it's really very, very disturbing when you think about it. But yes, that is where the term the left originates. That's where it comes from. And so remember from that, from the, the French Revolution, those principles were then developed in the 19th century into social justice, socialism, and communism. And yes, it all began at the University of Ingolstadt, which was the Jesuit headquarters in Bavaria, and that's where the ideas, the philosophies behind the French Revolution were developed. And so those philosophies inspired the French Revolution. Then they inspired Marxism in the 19th century. And there's no question that the Marxists were celebrating Satan, the devil, Lucifer, and this whole concept of being on the left-hand side. And that continues to this day, brothers and sisters. That is what's going on. As, as the Apostle Paul told us 2,000 years ago, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. This is a spiritual battle, ultimately. But we praise God that God always causes us to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Lord's promise. 
And we know how this all ends up. God wins. God wins, and those who put their faith in God win with him, with Christ. Praise the Lord. But we've just got to get through the time that we are in, and we've got to serve the Lord to the best of our ability so that we may all hear, we hope, on Judgment Day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. That's what we want to hear. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So we press on in the faith. All right, brothers and sisters, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We will stop it there, but we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio. Noise of Thunder Radio.